Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hey Ivy family, it's fantastic to see you and uh, let's open our Bibles and why don't you pray that God's going to um, speak to you wherever you're joining us from, um, that you'll be good soil for the seed of God's word to grow something new in you today. That seed isn't going to be snatched away, it's not going to be stolen, it's not going to be stumped and, and stopped, it's going to be successful to do everything that God wants to do in your life today. So may his word be opened up to us as we continue into Daniel chapter 6. And I'm excited, but I'm also kind of sad that as we start to rebuild back into being church in many ways, we're concluding this series where we've been looking at the first part of the book of Daniel. And it's been a thrilling adventure of the faithfulness of God as times and seasons change. But he remains the same as various rulers come and go. But we see God stays faithful to those who are faithful to him through various tests along the way, various trials that people have to go through. Daniel 1 was the food test where convictions were tested as the culture bombarded these four youngsters who found themselves in a strange land, surrounded by temptations and attempts to confuse them about who they were, their identity. But when they made the decision not to swallow or go along with what everybody else was doing and stick with what they knew God said, they were healthier and better for it and got promoted. But after the promotion, something happened. This always comes, another test. Daniel 2 was the dream test. As Daniel humbly served King Nebuchadnezzar by interpreting his dream, So Daniel's competence was tested. And once again, after the test, he was promoted. Daniel chapter 3, the next step, the commitment of his friends to worship God and God alone was tested when everybody else bowed down to the statue of gold. And when they came through the fire, they got promoted again. Though in the next chapter, the proud king was brought low. Then... In Daniel chapter 5, the writing was on the wall for the next king, Belshazzar, and Daniel's character was tested. It meant that rather than gain a short-term reward to stay in the royal good books, Daniel spoke truth to power because he knew kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Kings come and kings go. And he kept his focus on the king of kings, the God above it all. And now we're looking at Daniel chapter 6 where Daniel's courage would be tested in the lion's den. After which, we get into some deep and exciting prophetic truths I'd love us to study and look at another day. But that's a a pretty deep stuff for us to get into. This is one of the most famous of all Bible stories. Most people will have heard of it, I imagine. But to frame it, we find that through the reign of three kings, Daniel kept rising. And by now, although he's a foreigner in exile, He's he's in the cabinet of government. He's one of the prime ministers of Medo-Persia. And it's vital that we pray for the people of God who are in or who he's calling to positions of influence in politics because so much good can be done 
although it can be a murky, scary and often corrupt place. I've sometimes wondered myself at times whether I'd go into politics. A few people have even suggested it to me, but the problem is I actually can't find any one party that I'd be happy to fully align with. I think I'd rather be in the lion's den, to be honest with you. Whatever manipulation and spin, and of course, genuine hard work, many faithful people do in government at every level. We've seen again, if we read scripture, that God is sovereign over it all. Whatever happens, remember this word from Daniel 4, 17. It's repeated over and over again in the chapter that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will. Got to hold on to that truth. God rules in history. God still rules today. Nations come, leaders go, but God's redemptive plan through his people, the church, will go on according to his schedule and timeline, which is why I think I'm going to stick to the pulpit rather than the dispatch box. The plans, the purpose, and the people of God transcend today's papers. And that's a great source of everlasting hope for us. Mighty Babylon fell, just as Nebuchadnezzar's dream foretold. He would have hated to hear that because he wanted to be king of the world. He tried to put his name on every brick in the buildings there. Museums now have thousands of bricks with Nebuchadnezzar's name on them. One brick that's now in the British Museum has his image and his name inscribed with a dog's footprint, paw print, over both of them. When Babylon fell, Daniel rose up as a leader for Belshazzar, the king after him, and then again now for King Darius, who's also known as Cyrus. In fact, Daniel, Darius just means Lord, so it's like Lord Cyrus. Why? Why? Because Daniel was faithful and he passed the test of convictions and competence and commitment and character. And Daniel 6 verses 1 to 3 says this, It pleased Darius to, to appoint 120 satraps or princes of regions to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators, that's presidents or literally chiefs over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Another translation in that last line is his excellent spirit. See, that's how Daniel stood out. Have you got an excellent spirit or a that'll do attitude? Over time, it will be noticed either way. Some of you might have been here and recall years ago at Ivy, we had a year of excellence. During that time, I, I defined excellence as doing my best for God with what he's given me where he has put me. Daniel had an excellent spirit. People noticed. His enemies noticed. And the king noticed and wanted to promote him again. Now, Darius seems to have been a capable, intelligent ruler. Good ones make hard decisions and follow through with action about the best way they're going to structure and organise teams. Uh, who are they going to trust? Who are they going to move about? Who are they going to promote for the good of the kingdom? 
Darius does that here and he trusts Daniel with more responsibility because he handles what he already had. If you look in other parts of the Bible, you discover that in the first year of Darius's reign, around 538 BC, he made a law that the Jews could go back to Judah. Who do you think gave him such a great idea? I really believe Daniel influenced him for the good of his people before the lion's den incident. And Darius made this decree that the Jewish people could go back, but Daniel himself stayed there and served there even though he prayed facing Jerusalem because that was where his heart always was. By now he's around 90 years of age, still God's choice and the king's first choice. How I wish we were better in culture, even in the church, at honouring the wisdom of age and experience like that. You know, Michelangelo painted his most famous single picture at 89. Wesley, John Wesley, who founded Methodism, travelled a quarter of a million miles, mostly on horseback, wrote incredible books, volumes of books. He was preaching. He preached 4,000 sermons. He was still going up to the age of 88. Edison was inventing at 90. Shaw was writing plays at 90. And we say, oh, I can't wait to retire. But you know what? God saves his best to last. Gladstone became Prime Minister of Great Britain for the fourth time at 83 and Daniel's now getting ready to be there at 90. But before the promotion comes the plot. Look at verses 4 to 9 because whenever we attempt to do something great for God, there'll always be opposition. Spiritual opposition, but it comes through flesh and blood because people won't like it. People will often try and bring you down. That tall poppy syndrome. The more prominence, the bigger a target you are. People are going to lie about you. They will envy you. I mean, the incredible thing is, as I read this, how could anybody hate Daniel? How could they attack and plot against such a person? Even tougher question, how could anybody crucify the Lord Jesus Christ? But we did. Verses four to six then, here's the plot. The administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Daniel wasn't caught on camera snogging somebody. He wasn't taking cash for questions or backhanders to get his mates more money in contracts. He didn't take mistresses or drugs. He had no skeletons in his closet, no matter how hard they searched. They could only find purity, integrity, honesty. How many of us could pass this kind of test? They couldn't find anything he did that he shouldn't have done or anything he didn't do that he should have done. Nothing they could get him in trouble for except, except that he was full on, that he was sold out and that he was all in for his God. So here's the plot, verses six to eight. These other ministers went as a group to the king and said, making Darius live forever. We, 
well, it's not all of us, but we've got a strong majority, so who cares? We have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So, King Darius put the decree in writing. How did such a ridiculous, terrible law get passed? Well, they're appealing to his pride for one thing. They're making him feel very important and powerful and wonderful and pretending, oh, we're so loyal that we want to make you God for a special month. We'll call it Darius Month. And everybody agrees because we took a poll and it's a great idea. And, and we're so liberal that we're going to make it a law. And we're so inclusive that everybody has to think the same and do the same because you're so wonderful and anybody who doesn't agree will have a day out at the zoo that they don't come home from. And of course, powerful men are easily flattered. So Darius is like, oh, really? Me? Oh, you guys, give us a pen. And because of his ego, he signs off on a law that they'd already been preparing with a particular purpose in mind, which could not be changed, repealed, or altered. And of course, this thing's bigger than Daniel. It's to do with God's purposes that they're trying to stop. Because if you read on, there are all kinds of prophecies that God wants to give to Daniel and prayers he's meant to pray about things yet to be fulfilled. There's destiny and legacy. There's about half of the book that we could study. But if Daniel's lion's food, what happens to that? So, before the promotion came the plot. And you might think Daniel would respond by starting a protest or a petition. But by now, he's wise enough to know from experience the best, the most powerful thing, powerful thing he could do is prayer. What did he do? He did what he always did. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he'd done before. Just as he'd done before. You see, this was not a panic prayer. I might do that. Anybody could throw up a, oh God, help, I don't want to be thrown to lions kind of prayer. But this was a practice of prayer. Daniel had built it into his life. It was kind of him, it's what he did no matter what. He never got too busy to meet regularly with the Lord. He kept his divine appointments first. Psalm 55 verse 17 says, Evening and at morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. So Daniel had set times, a set pattern, set place. He thanked God no matter what. He wasn't just asking. He would go and pray. And he prayed where he could be seen. And his enemies knew he did this because they'd been spying him already. And when they saw him, he stood out even when he was kneeling down. So verse 11 says, then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den. 
In the book of Acts, early Jesus followers had to make a choice between whether to back down and fall in line or stand out and kneel down, whoever was watching. In the face of those threats, Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We may be faced with such choices at times. And we might say, well, couldn't Daniel have just discreetly closed the window for a month? Couldn't he have just secretly talked to the Lord as he, as he walked around? Nobody had to see him pray. The footballer Neymar was recently offered half a million a month to keep his faith in Jesus quiet. And the pressure to be a kind of secret, private Christian, to keep it to yourself, comes to us all. And it works because most Christians wouldn't even talk about Jesus if you paid them to. Darius didn't know what to do. Um, when, because Daniel, Daniel had still gone public and the plotters had reported him and that it was a breach of the law. They said that they'd been disloyal to the king, which he knew was untrue. He knew what kind of man Daniel was. And he's like, oh, because now he sees it's their political scheming that's at work. And he's angry with himself. He says this in, in verse 14. He's angry with himself about this, but he's not one of those leaders who say, well, it's one rule for you lot and I do as I please. He's not one of those kind of leaders. He feels bound by the law. He's not putting himself above it. He tried to find any legal way he could get Daniel off the hook, but there was no loophole or technicality. So he says, yeah, Daniel has to go to the lion's den. He has to die. There's no, there's no way out. But it seems that he wonders whether or not God's going to deliver him. Daniel's God. What does Daniel do? He never says a word. Like Christ, Peter said, as a, as a lamb before the shearers, he was silent. Christ never defended himself and Daniel doesn't defend himself. He shut his mouth and trusted God. The God who can shut the mouths of the lions. Years ago, I was at a conference for leaders and I heard R.T. Kendall talk about a time when people were talking about him and against him and others were turning against him because of that. He had so much that he knew he could say to put the record straight. And he was praying to the Lord. And it was like, if only they knew. But the Lord said to him, if you defend yourself, you defend yourself. If you don't, I will be your defender. I've never forgotten that. And Daniel had seen God come through for him all these years. So he kept his mouth shut and prayed and trusted God and thanked God. And he trusted God even as they were lowering him down into the lion's den where you can be sure he prayed some more. You know, lions are scary creatures. When I was at primary school, they organised a trip to Chester Zoo and a very bad lad called Eamon in the year above took a stick and poked a lion because you could do that then. I think after this they changed it. The lion ripped his arm off. It was on the news that day and we all knew it was because Eamon was a very bad lad. But this isn't just a story for the kids because if you've ever been close to a lion, I was on safari once and we got close in a car and this lion was just like lion there and and they are scary being that close but the guy had said it's okay we're safe because you can see his belly is full that's why we can get this close but this underground pit is full of lions lots of lions starved on purpose by ancient rulers as a terrifying way to execute people 
So they pushed him in there and they rolled a stone across the cave. And King Darius, he, he won't eat. He says he can't sleep. He's worrying until early morning breaks. And then he's straight back down there. In verse 20, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? See, notice, Darius knows that Daniel serves the living God, not idols like everybody else in Babylon. Then Daniel said, O oh, my king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And unlike bad Amon, that included retracting the powerful claws too, it seems, God sent an angel and Daniel saw it. Now, whether you see them or not, the Bible says angels are mighty spirits that God sends to save those who serve him. It only took one angel to take care of an army of 185,000 soldiers. So the one that God sent here easily protected Daniel from the lions. And Daniel said, they have not hurt me because I was declared innocent before him. No matter what the liars said, no matter what the king did, God knew Daniel had done nothing wrong. So that's not proud when you read that. It's just true. He's innocent. He's innocent before God, which is most important. And also, O oh king, I've done no wrong to you either. He didn't defend himself to get out of trouble. But after the test comes his testimony. He set the record straight. Then they pulled him out. And there was literally not a scratch on him. Now, the fact is, it doesn't always end that way, does it? Isaiah believed and trusted, and he was innocent before God too, but he got sawn in half. Paul believed and trusted and was faithful to Jesus, and they chopped his head off. Peter stayed faithful and was crucified upside down. There have been martyrs throughout the whole history of the church, the Centre for Study of Global Christianity says there are 90,000 martyrs a year now. That's one every six minutes. Believing in God, doing the right thing, doing what he tells you, doesn't necessarily mean people won't hurt you, and it doesn't mean the lions won't bite. But the Apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's the only real way to live, to live undefeated and bold by faith. What would be the worst that could happen? It's not the lion's den. See, if Daniel were killed, he knew he would have been in the presence of God. Paul said to depart and be with Christ is better by far. He had these glimpses of heaven that helped him to know that. But it was a, a different fate and destination for the power-hungry, bitter opponents of Daniel. And they're the, the actually also opponents of his God, remember. The ones who tried to get all they could in this world, jealous, never satisfied with the power, position or place they had. How did it end up for them? Well, the king made another decree because they can do that. There was no reversing this one either and threw them and their families into the lion's den. They lost everything, and the lions leapt on them, tearing them in pieces before they hit the bottom of the den. That's why I say there must have been an awful lot of lions in there, hungry lions, very hungry lions, who missed out on supper, so now they were ready for a full Persian breakfast. <laughs> then, 
As you read on, the whole empire fears the power of the God of Daniel. The king writes a letter that's quoted here, which says they, everybody should fear and serve this God because he is the living God whose kingdom will never be destroyed. It lasts forever. He rescues and saves and works signs and wonders. This is our God. The last line says, and Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius. Let's get ready to pray and ask the God who saves, the one who does miracles. Now, maybe you need to ask him to save you, to rescue you, to save you from your sins or to, to help you or, or to do some miracle, something you can't do, only he can do. Maybe you, you find yourself in a dark place and he'll come when we call. So, so let's pray now. Lord, thank you that you are able to save, mighty to save and deliver us. You do great signs and wonders. What do you need to ask him for? Talk to him. Give thanks, like Daniel did when he prayed. Maybe we need to start a pattern of prayer. Maybe once, twice, three times a day we can pray. Maybe you need to start that or restart regular habits now every day so the relationship grows and you know you can trust him as you pray no matter what. This majestic God, Lord, thank you. You rule over the affairs and nations of the world and you are more than able to help us now. Lord, thank you for all that we've learned from Daniel and from his friends and that your word speaks to us all. Thank you that when he was young, you showed him and you showed us how we can be strong and make a stand for you and be bold by faith. Help us, help me to be set apart and consistent and not compromise, believing you'll bring us through and that every test can end in a testimony. And there are people hearing you now and as, as I'm speaking, there's people what are watching, who are watching and your witness, your influence could affect generations and nations. If you'll just pray now and say, God, I want to serve you and others with integrity. Give me an excellent spirit. Help me to seek your kingdom first. Thank you, you can make this happen. The Bible says that, that uh, your gift will bring you before kings. So I bless you to do that as you serve him. Lord, show us now what we're call to do so we can fulfill that call and be faithful as we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices we find ourselves right in the center of your will and whether we're applauded or hated blamed or blameless whether we stand before kings on this earth or are thrown to the kings of the beasts may we only tremble before you the king of kings and lord of lords and lord even though daniel passed these tests i know i've tried and failed so often so please forgive me lord and change me by your holy spirit are you praying with me are you praying lord make me this kind of person by your grace shape me so my life is consistent and i run the race and finish well however long you give me here i want to be faithful and powerful and above all useful for you all my days and forevermore Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org/media.